0: to Ottawa Senator fans around the, world. around the world. It's the Sens Nation Podcast. Welcome again to another episode of the Sens Nation Podcast. It is Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. We have a very busy show on the way today. We'll talk about the Kachuk Talks. There's more talking going on in social media about the Kachuk Talks. Then in the actual Kachuk Talks, Pierre Dorian speaking on TSN 1050. Uh, So we'll get into that. Pierre Dorian signing an extension since the last time we got together. Sens rookie camp starts tomorrow. So the hockey season is nigh and a whole lot more coming up again on the Sens Nation podcast. And if that weren't enough, we've got, of course, our good co-host, Greg Kennedy, in his office by the look of it right now with the Slave Lake Ice Dogs out in Slave Lake, Alberta. And so... Hockey season's nigh for you too is it not?
1: Yes, it is Steve uh, training camp uh Friday the 17th we're uh, we're we're getting ready. we're firing up. I've been out uh, knocking on doors doing some fundraising looking for some sponsorship for the last few days.
0: and well getting
1: ready, you know it's yep. about
0: time yep, absolutely. Right, it's uh, time for Sens hockey and Sens hockey talk. Sens rookies are at it. We'll uh, talk about that in just a moment. Uh, But first, let's get ready for the show with a little sampling of a little Canadian rye whiskey from Dunrobin Distilleries. There you go. Cheers on that. Now, let's get into it. Certainly lots of talk this week, Greg, about Brady Kachuk on social media. He's in town. He's not in town. Hearing he's signing an eight-year contract. Hearing he's signing a bridge deal. It's not Where's Waldo, it's Where's Brady. It's been an interesting week, hasn't it?
1: Yeah. And it's nice, right? It, it um, it's nice to see the fans engaged and involved and expressing opinions, but really do Does anybody really know anything other than those uh, explicitly involved here? Right. Like all the bantering back and forth, it makes for good fun and people are chit-chatting back and forth, but the best of all was Bruce Garriock's column where he said, uh, yeah, it looks like they're talking about an eight times eight. But then again, it could be a bridge deal. Like, gee, thanks, Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for filling us all in on that. You know, you've got got Simmers talk, and then you've got other people talking, and who who knows? Let's just wait and see what happens, right?
0: Yeah. And there's such a fascination as to whether Kachuk is in town or not, as though that is a harbinger. I mean, there's been buzz that he won't come to town until uh, a deal has been done. But who knows, one way or the other. For me, Greg, I'm in a mode of, as long as this guy is here on, what is it, October 14th or 17th? I can't remember off their opening night game here in town against the Toronto Maple Leafs. As long as he's in town for a few days to skate before that game, that's really all I care about.
1: Yeah, and we've said all along that this was going to take uh, the summer, that that really the the pressure point would be the opening of training camp. And guess what, folks? There's another pressure point after that. The pressure point after that is puck drop of game one. So, yeah, it would be nice to have it done and he shows up for day one of training camp. But if he doesn't, all right, it's okay. One last final deadline of game one. And I'm completely confident that something will be done by then. And it wouldn't so- surprise me if if it gets done for the start of camp. Somebody just gives in and says, all right, got to
0: have something. Pierre Dorian is fairly confident as well. He was on the Fan 590 on Thursday, and the quote was, Are we confident restricted free agent Brady Kachuk will be signed by the time camp starts? Yes, these negotiations aren't always easy, and they take me a bit more time. And honestly, I think that it's not the end of the world either if the bridge deal is there. Like if, if, and that's what I think is going to happen, but who knows? Uh, I, I didn't think Pierre Dorian was going to get an extension. And uh, he did this week. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I I really feel like if it's a three-year deal, a bridge deal, and Shabbat gets money, I really feel like it's not the end of the world either. It's not ideal. It's not as good as the 8 by 8 or something like it. But it doesn't mean that Kachuk isn't going to have a nice ride in these three years and fall more deeply in love with the city and his teammates and the future of this team in three years the guy might well be in the mode of I, I want to stay here if everything goes according to Hoyle. So it's not the end of the world. It's not ideal, not ideal like the eight by eight, but it's not the end of the world if it's a bridge deal, in my opinion.
1: Agreed. And and let's not forget, too, a bridge deal can go either way. Like what if the Sens sign him to a bridge deal and you know he's not doesn't exactly take large leaps forward. Uh, in the point production department, in the leadership department, whatever. Like let's say three three year bridge deal and three years from now he's about the same numbers, uh stats wise, then okay, that kind of works in the sense favor because you still want to keep him at that at that production rate, but you don't necessarily have to give him eight, nine, ten million uh on a on a deal after that one.
0: How much is too much for Brady Kachuk, whether it's the three year deal or the eight year deal? How much were you as a hockey fan, as an observer, saying I don't know that he's earned that particular salary just yet,
1: well, you're on record as saying you were okay with eight times ten. I recall yes. you saying that yes, um it, like he's not worth that. I'm sorry, he's not worth ten million dollars, but in this market, in this scenario, with this team, with the perfect storm brewing, with the people that have left in the past, and you know we have to we have to make sure we get this guy signed he has to stay. He's in the driver's seat. Well, I've used the expression of the, it's the opposite of the hometown discount. It's the hometown pressure point for him. You could say, look, you really need me more than I need you in that sense, right? So yeah, okay, 10 million in the last couple of years of a long deal, I'd be okay with that.
0: We're sure, I am anyway, we're sure throwing around uh, somebody else's money pretty freely, right? This is, you know, when you're talking about a $10 million a year player, you'd like to see him not just be, a point game guy, which Brady Kachuk is not yet, I-, I want him to be in triple figures if I'm paying a guy $10 million. That's a lot of dough. That'll buy you three really good hockey players, for example. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot, but uh, it's just such a pivotal time, it feels like, for this organization with its fan base um, and trying to extend all of branches. Because, really, this fan base, like no other in the league maybe, is in a show-me state because this has just been – you know, people understand this has been destruction by design over the last three years. It's been a rebuild, maybe sparked by cost savings, maybe by a desire to get better and rebuild this thing properly, maybe a bit of both. Probably it's that's the thing, a little from column A and a little from column B. But it's still a fan base that wants assurances that Eugene Melnick is living up to his vow from a few years ago that they will in 2021, starting in 2021, we will spend close to the cap hopefully achieve unparalleled success and this signing goes a very very long way toward that so it's a massive deal obviously
1: yeah and i'm willing to give him a mulligan because of all that's gone on in the last two years with the covid that okay we can hold off until 2022 before we're going to see our unparalleled success and before we're spending truckloads of money but on this deal uh, even if it's a bridge deal, it better be a lot of money and he better be damn happy. There's, there's If it ends up being this, okay, fine, I'll sign this one-year deal just to get it done like Stone did, then I'm, uh, nobody's going to be happy with that. It's, It's got to be locked up at least three years and everyone better be happy.
0: If he does do the three-year bridge deal, what's your optimism level like that he maybe signs a long-term contract at this stage? And would it be a good idea... Because this guy, let's be honest, this guy's going to have a lot of hard miles on him. So when we talk about the Sens and UFAs of the past, they're not real big on the idea. When they're hitting that sort of 27-year-old, 28-year-old mark, and it's time to pay them in their UFA deals, the Sens have been allergic to that, to be honest. But now you're going to be dealing with a 25-year-old, so he's a little younger because he started at 18. He gets to UFA faster than most, but those are going to be hard miles those first seven years in the league. Like What would he be worth at the six-year mark when he's finally deciding whether or not he's going to play out that final year to get to UFA or sign a long-term deal at that stage? What do you think?
1: Uh, I'd love to sound like a genius and be able to give you an exact dollar amount and then we'll sit back and see how close we come. But I really think it's too hard to tell right now. With the COVID situation, with the revenue situation the league's dealing with, with the flat cap, what can you afford to pay a guy? And, and, you know, like our contracts going to continue to rise probably not, or not at the same rate they were before. So uh, I'm not sure like, like, yeah. Okay. If he, if he turns out to be what he's supposed to be, then he's worth 10 million a year, probably with inflation, with rising costs, with yada, yada, more revenue, he's probably worth 10 million in, in what is it? Three years. If it's a bridge deal. That's what I've said all along. If it's a long-term deal, I'm okay if it maxes to 10 in years four, five, six. So having said that, if he signs a bridge deal three years from now, am I okay if years one, two, and three are 10 million? Then yeah, I guess I would have to say I am.
0: Okay, let's talk a little bit about Pierre Dorian's new contract. He gets an extension with the club. I guess it effectively works out to uh, a three-year extension. Basically, he was going into the final year of his existing contract. Next year was going to be a club option. I guess the club option has been picked up. And then two more years are in this new deal. And then a club option again at the end. So Pierre Dorian is the general manager, at least contractually, of the Ottawa Senators until 2024-25. And then there's a club option after that. So it's a, by GM standards, particularly for a GM coming off four straight years where they badly missed the playoffs, that's a hell of a long-term deal, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's that's not bad at all. I, they kind of locked them in with the fact that he had the the option year there, the fact that they signed DJ Smith for 3 years. Do you really want the GM's contract running out before the coaches um I would have assumed they would have had them both end at the same time, but they let it go a year longer there's nothing wrong with that it it's the norm that the gm's contract doesn't end before the coach's contract so that 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 makes sense in that from that standpoint yeah
0: yeah um i was a little surprised by it all to be honest because i'm on record as saying i thought that this time next year pierre maguire would be the general manager of this hockey club and there was certainly i mean it certainly lined itself up that way you talk about you know recent Seasons again, it's been destruction by design. So Pierre Dorian can't take the fall on all that. It's a different kind of a, a thing these last three, four years. But just the fact that Pierre Dorian's entering his final year, Pierre Maguire's arriving on the scene two months ago, and then we didn't hear anything. Okay, we got Maguire. Is Dorian going to sign? And basically, Dorian, I don't want to use the term twisting in the wind. Oh, maybe I do. Two months <laughs> he's wondering, right? He actually had to field questions from the media about who's in charge here, who like who's higher in the pecking order. He actually just said, I'm still the boss. He had to say that to the media, which is kind of uncomfortable when you think about a guy who's been the GM of this club for the last five years. So my thought was, okay, would Pierre Maguire come all the way up, uproot his family, and uh, come here for a position that's basically assistant GM? My thought was, there's a good chance that there's been a handshake deal here about maybe that he – I mean, we talked about this. I mean, we thought that I thought that maybe Pierre Dorian would be in the final year of his contract. Maguire would learn the ropes and take over this time next year. But uh, no, that wasn't it at all. That was out to lunch. It may one day be that again. But if Pierre Maguire is a GM in waiting, it's not imminent. It's at least three, four years down the road, I would think.
1: But it's not to say that there isn't a uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, or handshake or whatever that says you will be the next GM of this team. Like that could still be in there. There just isn't a date on it, right? Like he could step in and be the GM. Maybe uh, nobody's saying Dorian is going to go the full four years that he has now. Maybe the replacement still comes next year or the year after at some point. But I think in the case of Pierre, uh, uh, sorry, Pierre Maguire, and you know him better than I, but here's a guy who – was basically out of work, right? Like he, he wasn't getting uh, on with uh, ESPN or with, uh, help me out. TNT. TNT. So so he um he wanted to get back into the league, get back into an executive position in the league. So this was a great spot for him. It's, it's right in his wheelhouse of what he does. So he gets in, he establishes himself. Nobody says he's staying here forever. He could be leaving and moving on to something bigger and better at some point in time himself.
0: And it's certainly been a policy of this organization to have a ready and ready-made candidate behind, for example, the coaching situation. Oh, yeah. You saw Dave Cameron behind Paul McClain. You saw Mark Crawford behind Guy Boucher and Jack Capuano now behind DJ Smith or Davis Payne, even, you could throw into that mix. Though I think it's probably Capuano, the coach in waiting, because as we know, Capuano was not allowed to take over or not allowed to go to Buffalo to interview for their head coaching job.
1: But you've got man there too. right? And, and he signed a, uh, an extension deal to stay in, uh, in Belleville. So you're right. There, there, there is a succession plan in place at both coach and at GM. and there's nothing wrong with that. Like uh, I think that it's a sign of a good uh, a good person and a good employee and a good coach or a good GM to have somebody on staff under him who is good who is a potential threat to him. You don't want a bunch of yes men. You don't want people just sitting there echoing everything you believe. There's nothing wrong with having qualified, quality people under you um, to to help you, and if they take over for you because you don't do your job, then, hey, say la vie.
0: Certainly, Maguire, I think, makes the organization better. He makes He's going to make Pierre Dorian better. It's just another set of eyes and ears. But I think from an organizational standpoint, he is – A media whiz. And I think that if Melnick's got something up his sleeve to announce something or whatever it is, I think you've got a guy that's a seasoned broadcaster who knows about presentation and what the public thinks of the presentation. I think that this Pierre Maguire is doubly a good asset for that reason. And this is an organization that is needed, that kind of PR refinement that I think Pierre Maguire will help deliver.
1: Yeah, it, like we were both in agreement the day it was announced. Like we're very happy uh, to to see a guy of of Pierre's quality, um, of Pierre's experience, a uh, multi varied experience, pro scouting work, assistant GM work, coaching work, television work, like uh, radio work. Right? He's done it all and been around the game for a long time. He was a perfect hire, and and okay, so what if he's if he's the next GM in waiting? Fine, that's that's good. That's a good mm-hmm. thing for the Senators, isn't it?
0: Yep, and one of the other things about the the, this whole deal is that I pull for Pierre Dorian because when you strip away all the hockey discussions, he's a good guy. Like he's actually a really likable guy that you want to have a beer with. Like when my dad passed last year, the guy sent me a long text that really picked up my spirits. Um, Doesn't have to do that. I'm not in the traditional media the way I once was. Right, I'm. At this stage, I've been out of the uh, TSN 1200 loop, and they do have a partnership there. I've been out of that for a while now. But he still reaches out to me, texts me, and sends me this lovely message. So I cannot personally help but pull for a guy like that. And I would say to everybody who's listening right now, who's never met Pierre Dorian, that I think you'd like the guy if you had a chance to spend some time with him, and maybe you have not to this point.
1: And I would agree with you completely. I've known Pierre... Since he was a teenager, Steve, <laughs> I um, I knew his father, of course, through hockey, and um, I can still remember. Uh, and Pierre actually mentioned it to me one day that I, I went to the funeral, uh, or sorry, I went to the funeral home, and uh, Pierre has still his junior has mentioned it to me a couple times that he remembers that, um, and and we see each other in hockey rinks. Uh, his son was playing. With they're trying out with the Wild when I was coaching there, we always have time to talk. And whenever I'm in the building and see him, we always have a have a nice chat. He really is a good guy. He's a sports fan. He's a hockey guy. Uh, he's Pierre from Orleans, right? That's, and it, that's and, right. And it, <laughs> and it's uh, and it's great. Like uh, I I pull for him too. I hope he does well. I I want things to work out for him uh, in the end here, and I think he's on the right path.
0: All right, so Pierre Dorian. GM of the Ottawa Senators for another four years at least. And let's change gears here and talk a little bit about the hockey season basically getting underway, as mentioned off the top. sends rookie camp begins on Saturday. I think it goes for 10 or 11 days. And uh, kind of interesting to see how many guys are of interest. There's the usual suspects or the usual types of suspects where you look at them and you go, eh, filler, filler, filler. There's quite a few of those. But to me, of the 24 guys that have been invited to camp, I count about 12 that I have at least some level of interest in. Don't know there's going to be jobs for them all, given that the <laughs> NHL team is so freaking young. But it, it speaks to the level of assets they have. And in, and somewhere down the line, you know, there's, uh, there's going to be guys you can take your time with. You don't have to rush. Or you can use some of them as trade chips. It's uh, It's as good as it gets, I think. In recent years, as far as a well-stocked cupboard, Greg.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it right now as you're speaking, and and I agree with you. There's there's a lot of people there that I'm really interested. I'm sorry I'm not in town because I would just love to see it. I'd love to see how like just looking certain guys here. I I'm really interested in seeing Levi uh, in play. Um, I'm interested in how uh, how JBD looks. Like he should be the star of the show on the blue line. Should he not? I, I want to see that Ben Roger play. I've heard up and down Lassie Thompson. He's good. He's bad. He's not great. He's the same. Like, I'm interested to see where he's at. Angus Crookshank did a did a pretty admirable job there uh, late in the season last year in Belleville. See where he's at. Uh, Ridley Gregg. There's just lots of guys there that uh, that really spark something. I, I hope you're going to go and you're going to take footage and you're going to fill me in on it every day,
0: right? I don't know if I'll be there every day. Lots of media <laughs> projects on that go beyond this one, but I'm definitely going to try and get over there where I can. And you think about you know some of the guys you didn't mention: Sokolov, Pinto, Ostapchuk was their second rounder this year. Mark Kastelik seems like a sort of a big body centerman that would be uh, potentially a nice fit on a third or a fourth line someday. Robbie Jarventia. So yeah, there's lots of guys to be kind of interested in. If you were to if you were to come up with Greg's medalists your gold, silver, and bronze medal prospect of this group, like what would that look like? And I'm going to put a caveat in here that you cannot pick guys who've played in the NHL already. So that pulls Pinto out, and that pulls out JBD. So beyond that, who are the three guys? Let's say this. Everybody has to be released, but you can protect three guys. Who are they going to be?
1: Uh, Mad Sogard, I think, will be the number one goalie there. Mm-hmm. Um he'll be the he'll be the top guy. I'm gonna go one goalie, one D, one forward. How's that? Good. I think that the 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 top D, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that uh, since since you said I can't have JBD, I'm gonna say that it's time for Lassie Thompson to step up and show what he's made of and and make a real impression. And up front in that group of forwards, um, it's between Sokolov or uh Ridley Gregg for me.
0: You have to pick what one. What do
1: you think? I have to pick one. Then I'm going with Sokolov. Ridley Gregg's going to be great, but Sokolov will be the stud center, stud forward of the camp.
0: Right. And you? Well, I think all things being equal, I make my decisions a little bit based on what I have in the NHL right now. And I wonder if eventually there'll be room for another centerman at this stage of the game. Because again, you've got the options, uh, you know, in the NHL right now. You're still trying to figure out: okay, is it Pinto or is it Colin White as the second line center? I might even wonder if Ridley Gregg – um, you know, makes a bit of a move in this training camp, like he has a chance, and I'm not going to write him off out of the, out of the mix completely. Like if he lights it up in a real training camp, which we haven't had in a couple of years, who knows? Sky's the limit. Uh, they do like him a lot. He had a, I mean, the Western Hockey League didn't play a ton of hockey, but certainly he lit it up. And uh, I think if I'm to choose, I'm probably going to go keep Ridley Greg. Um, but again, it's tough. It's so tough because I like the idea of Sokolov as well. And he seems like such a quality guy. Just seems like another great guy in the room. But everything you hear about Ridley Gregg uh plays with a bit of an edge with some offensive upside too. So I'm going to go Ridley Gregg. Um I did hear why I put this out on Twitter. Some people like Max Gannett as, as a wild card for the question. Uh I've not seen him enough to say, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I wanna i to save that guy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna favor him at one hundred eighty seventh overall from the guy who, in the same draft, went 19th overall in the first round. <laughs> it's got to be Lassie Thompson, and it's got to be Matt Sogard, I think, in those two positions. So there's your medalists as far as developmental yeah. camp goes and the rookie camp and such. But uh, it's a pretty exciting time, like I said. Marilyn should be good to watch. He's probably the guy we're going to see for Finland at the World Junior Hockey Championship. So, yeah, the goaltending position, and even Kevin Mandelise wasn't he like the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League goalie of the year last year? He was, yeah. So pulling Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker out of uh that earlier discussion, is there anybody that really, I mean, cuz it seems like there's almost no NHL jobs up for grabs right now with the Ottawa Senators and uh and and there might not be for quite some time. There's there's a few guys I guess that are, you know, going to have expiring contract uh, contracts, but if you're like a skilled guy and you're thinking you're going to be in the NHL with the Ottawa Senators here in the next couple of years, other than that second line center role, things are pretty much set in that top six, aren't they?
1: Yeah, but there's also I think there's a spot there, third line right wing. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that may very well turn out to be Igor Sokolov's job to win or lose in training camp. Yeah, um, and and you know as for number two center, is it Pinto? Is it Colin White? You know who knows who's going to end up there. I would think Pinto has the inside track. Just from an offensive standpoint, he brings a little more than White's ever going to bring, I think. right? Um, But yeah, that third line, right wing's a hole there that I'd love to see Sokolov. Uh, Not just that I want to see him there. I want to see him have the skill to play there, right? Right. Like it'd be nice for him. Good kid. Great article from Ian Mendez. I don't know if you read it yet on on, uh, Sokolov, on The Athletic. Uh, I'd love to see that kid play in the NHL, but I don't want him there just because he's a good guy. I want him to have the skill set and the – and the required uh, commitment and work ethic and all that sort of stuff that he belongs there. That would be great.
0: Yeah. And he, he does seem like a guy that would be doing that Brady Kachuk thing, setting up Camp Sokolov in front of the net on a power play situation and just cramming in dirty goals. He would be a big body that is very, very hard to move. The one other name that's uh, in the mix here that she still hasn't signed, but Logan Brown. I mean, cap friendly is with their depth charts. <laughs> They're taking their best guess just like anybody else. But uh, I found it interesting that they kind of slid Logan Brown onto the NHL roster on the depth chart. And again, it's it's all guesswork at this stage of the game because nobody really knows. Uh, first, you got to get him signed. But if he does sign and ends up at camp, they slid, they slid him in there at right wing on the fourth line. Um, that doesn't seem like the optimum place for a Logan Brown. I think he needs to be at center because he is an excellent passer. Uh, but I, I don't know if I... If I see him (laughs) mucking it up on the fourth line. Okay. Are are we
1: YouTubing this one or is this one going straight to podcast? Because I did a world-class shoulder shrug and eye roll when you brought up the, the Logan Brown name. <laughs> like,
0: I've had enough of Logan Brown for God's sakes. Yeah, you, know, you still Just, yeah, we still gotta talk about him until he's oh. gone from the organization. He has to he, he's in that mix and we are talking no. about young players right now, and he can't be dismissed from that oh. discussion.
1: Where's my Dun Robin distilleries?
0: You get nothing. You get nothing like it. Um, Yeah. Okay. So so
1: is he going to, I don't even think they're going to sign him. I don't even think he's going to sign. Like he's going to do everything he can to get the hell out of here. He's probably out there begging for somebody to give him an offer sheet just so the Sens can walk away. Like he just, I'm sure he's, I can't see it. He just, no, please. No.
0: (laughs) I'd like to see like a Parker Kelly or someone like that. Who's in one of those shift disturbers or something. Yeah, someone like that sliding into a fourth-line scenario. Um, you know, you wonder about Scott Sabarin. He, he was signed oh, yeah. for a reason. He's, he, I mean, it's a two-way deal and everything, but we all know DJ Smith loves that guy, and he loves to have a guy that's not named Brady Kachuk uh, ready and willing to drop them if, uh, if the need should arise. So those are the types of players, even like a Logan Shaw, that I'd like to see uh, sliding into that mix. But that is a position. I brought it up mostly because... If it's not Logan Brown, as pointed out by Cap Friendly, as the depth chart right winger on the fourth line, then it does create an opportunity for somebody. Okay, fair enough.
1: I'd like to see Parker Kelly. I, I had a kid play here last year for us who um, who played in Prince George with Parker Kelly. And I asked him, I said, okay, is this guy going to play someday in the NHL or is he just going to be a, a quality character leadership guy and play a long career in the minors? And the kid assured me, he said, no, no he will play in the show, guaranteed. So there
0: you go. There you go. So this is what, uh, just for fun, because people always like this stuff, uh, the four lines, the four forward lines look like this. Kachuk Norris-Batherson on the top line. Then white between Stutzla and Brown. DJ Smith has already said that he fancies Stutzla playing with Brown for the coming season. It kind of breaks up the Nick-Paul-Connor-Brown angle, right? which uh, which worked yeah. so well together. And I think it will continue to, at least in the shorthanded and the penalty kill side of things. But you saw them together, uh, the way they looked at the World Hockey Championship with the winning goal and such, and they looked great through all the, the whole tournament. Um, I wonder if that uh, is a temporary measure, but uh, we shall see. But Paul is listed with Pinto and Watson on the third line. And then the fourth line, again, this is cap-friendly spin on things. Doesn't mean Jack's what, just doing this for fun. Formanton uh, on the left side with Tierney at center and Logan Brown on the right side. So that's uh, that's how they lay out as far as Cap Friendly goes. How exciting. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> okay, the, beyond <laughs> the Logan Brown.
1: Yeah, no, my fourth line looks better with Paul, uh, Tierney, and uh, Watson. And uh, Pinto up on the second line, Colin White on the third line. and uh, or Or even, yeah, you could put Tierney on the third line if you want. I don't care. But I I want to see somebody other than Logan Brown playing right wing on this team when they break camp.
0: Okay, so that was basically a discussion, not so much about Sen's rookie camp development camp, but just basically about uh, how much Greg hates talking about Logan Brown. no, no so, yes no, it is yeah no, I think no, it was no. <laughs> We're gonna clarify this. All right.
1: I don't hate the young man i I don't hate him as a player. I don't love him as a player. I really have no idea. Logan Brown as a hockey player. I'm pretty sure that he was playing Bantam for the 67s in AAA and I coached against him. Or was that another Brown brother? I'm not even sure. That might be my only connection to watching him play hockey. Um, I'm just sick and tired of all the crap that swirls around this. And just you're dealing with a guy Regardless, uh, you you used it before. He's got that first round pedigree, right? If he was a fifth round draft choice, he would have been gone years ago. And enough is enough, right? Like it's just gone on and on far too long.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't that long ago. Logan Brown was at rookie and development camp and uh, people wondering, OK, is he one of the quote unquote next ones? Remember, the Sens traded up in the draft to get Logan Brown. And uh, here we are. This would be his uh, sixth training camp coming up if, in fact, he gets signed and and ready to go. And it's just unfortunate that it doesn't seem to have worked out, largely due to injury. And then on top of that, I think frustration is now set in somewhat for the young man. He'd have a contract right now if he felt good about this organization. So anyway, wish him all the best and everything. But uh, anyway, let's change gears and go to our DunRobinDistilleries.com web poll. And today... I want to ask you the question, Greg, what are like, what is in your opinion? We know Brady Kachuk is probably going to be the biggest offseason story hasn't happened yet as we record this. So what would you say the biggest off-season story has been? Is it Pierre Dorian's re-signing, DJ Smith's re-signing, the drafting of Tyler Boucher? Um, we also had uh, Evgeny Dadnov traded away the Batherson re-signing. And a whole lot more. Delzato signed here, although it's probably not in the mix. What do you think? What's your biggest off-season wow. news for the Ottawa Senators?
1: Okay, re-signing Dorian and, and DJ Smith was going to happen. That was inevitable. So I don't know that that's a big, meaningful thing. It, it should have happened, and it did happen. Um, trading Dadanov, I think, is really nice. But it, to me, it's not meaning. it's not fully meaningful until we see what they do with that money or until at least we see who's going to replace him in the lineup. The drafting of Boucher, well, I don't know about that one. I think it's Batherson. I think it's locking Batherson up, and I think it's the structure of his contract. Considering you're a team that doesn't do signing bonuses, um, you got a player here on a really nice contract that I think will age well, and it's cheaper in the first couple of years that reflects the the lack of revenue like we were just talking about. I think that's pretty significant, but you're right. It will be dwarfed by Kachuk's contract in the next week or two.
0: Yeah. What do you I think? think? I agree. I'm I'm a Batherson guy in that question because I think you have two groups of people who will have uncertainty with this organization. You have the fan base, the customer. They're uncertain about, like I was talking earlier, about this vow to get to unparalleled success, spending to the cap. And all we saw to this point Really. I mean, we saw some smaller deals, but all we saw was cutting, taking Dadnoff out of the lineup, and you kinda go, oof. And so when Batherson got signed, I think the customer base was going, Okay, that's showing me something. The Kachuk thing's still to come. That's the big fish here. But the Batherson thing, I think, really resonated with a lot of fans that okay, that's not that's not a small thing. That's a potential, financially, they're paying him to be one of the young pillars of this team. And then the other angle is uh, from a player standpoint, a young player committing the way Batherson did to this organization, just the way Thomas Shabbat did and Colin White. These are important deals that, uh, you know, because again, there's been so much toxicity around this organization that I wondered that "Mm, maybe this isn't a, a coveted place to be or anything like that. Batherson signed longer than he needed to. He went into his UFA years. So that is... A very nice sign that young players are not averse to being part of this organization long term. So I agree with you. Batherson would be my choice,
1: and it's a nice message sent to the rest of the players.
0: You don't think that
1: uh, Jake Sanderson realizes that when we're his when his turn comes, yeah. or a uh, Josh Norris realizes it that you know they are willing to pay. They said they were going to when the time came, and here was their first example to step up and prove it, and they did and Brady Kachuk's contract will only add to that their second opportunity to step up and prove it, bang. So the next year, when the rest of the next group comes through, and the year after, when the next group comes through after that, uh, the message has been sent, the players have received it, and and it, it bodes well.
0: Yep, I'd say so. So that's our poll today, and it's brought to you by DunRobinDistilleries.com. And just like craft beer years ago, the market for craft spirits is just booming right now. And Dunrobin Distilleries is at the forefront in Ottawa. They currently offer artisanal gin and vodka, rye whiskey, my personal favorite, 12 different flavors of bitters, and their recently launched Earl Grey gin, all made with the finest quality ingredients right here in Ottawa. DunrobinDistilleries.com. Where will your spirit take you? Well, that will do it for today's show, ladies and gentlemen. Greg, I wonder what have you got going for the next week? I'm sure, you've got like a Logan Brown appreciation party that you need to plan, right?
1: No. <laughs> 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 I got a weekend here to relax. I'm just uh just kind of working out training camp schedule and making sure we're ready to go for next Friday. Uh looking forward to it. It's finally we push things back a little and uh looking forward to getting going.
0: Very good. Nice to have the NFL back as well, do their TSN twelve hundred fantasy. Watched Yeah, absolutely. Did our TSN 1200 Fantasy Football League last night, so I feel like I'm in full NFL (laughs) mode looking forward to the season ahead. September's a good time, is it not?
1: Oh, it's Blue Jays. We didn't talk about my Blue Jays, Steve. They're on fire. That's the first time the Yankees have been swept in a four-game series in the Bronx since like 2003 or something. And the team that did it then was the Blue Jays.
0: Yeah, I saw something that's like... Not having the lead was also a factor, I think, in that step. They didn't once have the lead in a four game nope. sweep. Like, that's crazy. Uh, it was and certainly, beautiful watch. yeah, I mean, I didn't have much hope for the Blue Jays. And that's funny how an 11 and 1 run can change things completely around. It's going to be a great, great September and October for sports fans. Thanks so much, everybody, for being with us today on Sens Nation Hockey. Thank you, Greg. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now.